Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you inky savages are joining me for episode number 113 of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast, and I am taking a break from my studies to record a podcast with my good friend, Tom the Odd Oink, <laughs> only to talk about studying. Well, it's more about wanting to do everything but study, so we take some time to talk about pens as well, including a new Homo sapiens magma. I had to tune for a billion hours because it had a fish hook for a nib. If anyone has any tips for studying with ADHD, please throw me a lifeline at pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com. Sponsorship time. Please be sure to go to goldspot.com. And I don't know if you know this, but I actually have an affiliate link that I'm going to include in the description of the podcast. So please check out that affiliate link. It helps me out. You can go to goldspot.com to the affiliate link and make sure to use coupon code ROY to get an additional discount off all the products on the Goldspot Pen Store. I shouldn't say all. Some exclusions do apply. But be sure also to put Fire Tom in the order comments and you might get a special Pentertainment Podcast sticker with your order. Now this week, from our friends at Luxury Brands of America, you must marvel at the beautiful sight of the Joya Bella Vista fountain pen. Equipped with an easy-to-clean piston converter, ink window, and impressive cap band, you're going to fall in love with these nibbed beauties. Coming soon to a Joya pen retailer near you, which, thanks to the internet, all of them are only a click or a tap away. A tap away. But if you're going to buy it, again, please use the affiliate link in the description. Now, Tom also resolves to get rid of every one of the Penboy Roy t-shirts in his home office, and you can help by clicking the link and taking a bunch off his hands. So anyway, before we get started with this week's podcast, I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words both from Tom and I. So be forewarned, you have been warned. Now on to the podcast. The Penboy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage 7. And I am coping with an extremely high level of frustration because I am constantly trying to study, but I'm too dumb to focus for extended periods of time. And said, experience, said extended periods of time include, but are not limited to time frames of 10 to 15 to 20 to 30 to 45 minutes to an hour. So like I'll literally sit down to read the material that I'm studying. And as I'm sitting there trying to read, I'll think of something else, like involuntarily, involuntarily. like Your mind just wanders. Yeah. It starts it just, to flutter like a butterfly. It completely and totally wanders while I'm reading material. So I'll be reading material that's boring as fuck. So like if I, if I died and went to hell, I'd be sitting in the seventh circle of hell reading this material for eternity. That's my hell. Anyway. With As like I'm the doing... scopulas on the eyes to keep your eyes from closing. Right. So anyway, I am sitting here trying to read and stuff like that. And out of nowhere, it just, just my brain just refuses to cooperate and refuses to just focus and stuff like that. So it's really frustrating. It's really hard. Some days it's worse than others and stuff like that. So I mean, a little bit about me. I'm not gonna, I'm not playing a violin and stuff, but hold on a second. Do you remember that email that we got? That was my <laughs> yes. seltzer water for anybody listening. There's that seltzer. Saying, what yeah. flavor are you rocking now? You got Canada Dry? 
I got Canada Dry Pomegranate Cherry. Hold on. Okay. Mm. I got a drink because it's good for, the, good for the stupid brain that I have. Yeah, so anyway, hopefully. a little bit of, a little bit about me personally. I don't like to get into personal stuff because nobody really fucking cares. But this all has to do with like studying and using fountain pens, kind of. So I'm gonna talk about it. You know, you know. So growing up as a kid, I was always, I was always a kid that had ADHD, and it never resolved as I became an adult. So one of the biggest challenges that I have that I had as a kid was ADHD and as an adult was ADHD, right? So did it, you ever see a doctor for it? Well, yeah. Yeah. That's how I know I have ADHD. Oh, I don't know. know. Some people say, cause some people throw around that term like, oh, you know, I got it. And they just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, I, just, I know. No, this yeah. is, I'm not self-diagnosing. But stuff. did like the doctor, did the doctor maybe like help with giving you like certain strategies or mechanisms that you could use to like, work through you know the the you know when when you start to feel the attention wander yeah there's certain strategies and like meditation strategies and focusing strategies that you once you you have to be aware of what you're experiencing at the moment and then the moment you experience it you have to start like kind of centering yourself and stuff like that but the moment i start centering myself i wander off and i do something else <laughs> so i know i know it's i'm laughing it's a real thing you know, and, yeah. and not to make light of anybody else who has the same condition and everything like yeah. that, you know. So, you know, my whole my whole life, it's just been it's just been I'm not saying this. I'm, I'm not I don't need pity or anything like that. That's not why I'm telling you this. The reason why is I have an objective to telling this story anyway. So, you know, yeah. So there's methods and stuff like that. There's also medication options that I'm not willing to consider. Right. Okay. So I don't know. I'm sure that there's people out there. Yeah, who understand? Yeah, who it works for them and great. Like that's great. I I'm just kind of you know me. I'm like all keto and all that shit, and I'm just. Uh, I know your body is your temple, and you know you you try to limit. I, I'm I'm very much the same way when it comes to various pharmaceuticals. It's mm-hmm. like I take a multivitamin. Very bare, like I don't want even when I'm sick. I don't like taking medications for anything. Yeah, and it's just you know I just don't like that. Either the, the side effects that are involved or I just don't like putting anything, you know, in my system that is right. supposed to change your body's physiology so drastically. Right. So anyway, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because how does – if anybody out there is willing to share, and if you're not willing to share, of course, then don't email us. But if you're willing to share, what is your coping mechanism with not being able to focus or concentrate, let me know what it is, Right. So my my thing was I was going to study by just rewriting all the material with a fountain pen onto a piece of paper. Okay. Okay. But what I feel like I did why why I feel like that doesn't work is yes, writing stuff down you remember things better. But it also takes a lot of time. So I feel like yeah. if I read the material in the time it takes me to copy it all down, it'll have passed through my stupid little brain more times than if I just wrote it out. Okay. Right? So I'm trying that instead of writing everything out. However, yes, it is working. I'm retaining more information. But at the same time, I feel like it's also a struggle because of my inability to sit in one spot and focus. But here's the crazy thing, though, and this is common, too, for people with ADHD. Okay. I feel like I'm revealing too much. Do you think it's okay? What do you think? 
I don't know. No, it's a, I think there's. I think you know, this I, is totally valid because I mean, a lot of people do suffer from it. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't have any. You know, I don't have and, any shame and stuff like that. You know. No, it's totally fine. But I think it's. I think it's valid to, to have this discussion because I mean, even if you don't have, a, you know, an acute version of ADHD, you could still benefit from strategies that are that help with combating like. The, the deficit of attention because a lot of people do suffer from like very mild forms of just not having any you know reserves for attention especially with like the smartphones eroding our ability to keep our concentration eroding, and attention eroding, they're eroding. just that wearing us down like all that, of these did you ever see that movie bruce almighty when you said eroding i just kept thinking of that scene where he's on the i had but that's been such a long time yeah eroding, eroding. anyway as i was saying what's really fascinating about myself and people with ADHD is yes they have an inability to focus on things that they are not interested in however when it comes to things that they are interested in they are ultra focused and can go for hours and hours doing whatever it is that they're interested in let me give you an example when it comes to fountain pens when it comes to the ketogenic diet when it comes to fish keeping I am able to focus, I'm able to study the material or whatever it is that I'm researching for hours and hours. And it's like the focus is ultra tunnel visioned, right? Mm -hmm. So there could be birds just flying around, smashing into windows, shitting sulfuric acid all over the place, burning in, in a zombie apocalypse, whatever it is. And I'll just be so yeah. ultra focused and I'll just retain everything. And it's awesome. I just wish I could do that with stuff that bores the living fucking bejesus out of me. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't think, I, I mean, I hate to say it to kind of like, you know, to take you farther out of the motivation to study, but I, you know, I, I tend to feel that, if something is that dry and just disgustingly boring that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't engage you any in the slightest bit that it's like, it's like kind of like a sign that maybe this isn't, you know, maybe because of the fact that you're able to latch on so easily and follow down the rabbit hole of of these other topics, maybe that is just showing you that like, this is what you are like, this is what's best suited for you. You know, this is like the, like you should be a fish keeper slash fountain pen connoisseur slash ketogenic diet specialist. You know that this that this is what your true calling is. Is that it just immediately becomes like magnetic to you? Yes, this is what my true calling is, a hundred percent. But it's not appropriate right now because those things don't pay. <laughs> but all I still the bills. have to study. <laughs> right, I still got to do this shit. But as I was saying, though. Yeah, so when it comes to stuff that people are interested in, people who have ADHD are interested in, they become laser-focused. They're just not capable of doing that when it comes to stuff that they're not entirely interested in, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if anybody out there has any kinds of ideas or anything like that, I'm more than willing to hear them. It doesn't matter how fundamental it may seem because sometimes hearing the same fundamental information over and over is helpful in that it might click after a certain amount of time. I don't know. Right, that's what advertising does, right? So, you hear the same advertisement a thousand times, and then one day you're like, "Oh, wait a minute, I need one of those," right? Yeah, that kind of thing. So, anyway, you, you know what I've what I've always found helps really well when learning something is trying to teach it to somebody else. So maybe if you could find 
somebody, not me, but somebody <laughs> who's willing to who's willing to listen to you regurgitate what you're learning about. I love that. You know, maybe if you could find someone, not me, <laughs> not me. Yeah. Or, you know, you don't even have to. I think that's a, a fantastic suggestion because, yes, teaching things is another great way of learning things. And mm-hmm. when I was a professional martial artist, teaching martial arts, I think, really is the difference between being average and being above average. Just understanding how to explain it, you kind of materialize information in your brain differently than if you were just keeping it internal. Yeah, that makes right. complete and total sense. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it's it's beneficial, I think, for everything, too. So I, I noticed I, my own knowledge about fountain pens, I feel, has, has further cemented in my brain by the fact that I have to write and then talk about it on videos. And you, I have to do so much in the teaching aspect of, of, like, oh, somebody's calling up. They have a question about you know, a Leonardo pen or what, like I I've done this so many different times that like I've internalized all of this information from over, over and over again, repetitively teaching it to other people. Mm, I see. Yeah. Well, you know what I also researched when I was looking up like how to cope with ADHD and stuff like that. Okay. I do find out, I did find out that people with ADHD are typically very impulsive and they being that they're so impulsive, there's a lot of positivity that comes with it too that I feel like applies to me. For example, okay. people with ADHD, since they're so impulsive, they're very creative and they come up with crazy ideas and then they become obsessed with those ideas and they execute those ideas. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's so, a certain level of follow through once the interest is there. Right. So I don't know. I know I struggled with it for so many years, but part of me also thinks, and believe it or not, struggling, I I know you can't possibly believe this, especially you, Tom. Struggling with ADHD also cuts into people's social lives, right? So Hmm. that impulsivity and that kind of explosive personality and behavior oftentimes kind of puts a lot of people off, right? And people with ADHD will oftentimes jump into conversations like for example you'll be talking to me about i don't know your favorite television show and as you're talking to me about your favorite television show you say something and you mention oh this guy was green with envy let's say and that word green will trigger in my brain and make me think of my my pen and i'll suddenly be like oh dude i have this new pen and i'll just suddenly start talking Uh about something else and i'll totally steal the floor from you while you're trying to speak about something right so a lot of people with ADHD have a tendency of doing that without even realizing it, and it socially puts them in a bad position, and people dislike them for that. So, mm-hmm. excuse me, yeah, I've, I'm more than likely and more than positive that I'm guilty of that, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people wanted to beat the shit out of me for that very reason and stuff like that. And that's a negative, but also, like I said, the positive side of it is I think the impulsive creativity and yeah, there's a certain level of energy and enthusiasm that I think a a more even keeled non ADHD mind, you know, would not have that like that sharpness about it, like that that deft agility to jump from topic to topic. Right. Well, I don't think that the jumping the topic to topic is what is the positive. I think what is the positive is the impulsive spontaneity and yeah. lack of, I guess 
inhibition is that the right word to like yeah like for example like i'll come up with a crazy idea and then i'll be like hey let's try this let's go with this and then get all into it and then we come up with a crazy sticker commercial you know what mm -hmm. i mean or something like that and that's another reason why i was never willing to kind of explore the concept of taking medication because what if that creative side or that impulsive side that is good gets suppressed also i mean i don't know mm -hmm. yeah what if that does happen i mean is there i don't know what other people's experiences are like is there a solution where you can control the impulsiveness that pisses people off but at the same time maintain that creative impulsive and spontaneous spontaneous way of thinking i don't know yeah I well know. i think that if you're aiming to try to root out the characteristics the human characteristics that are potential for pissing people off i think that's a is a zero-sum game that you're going to end up losing out on because mm -hmm. like there's going to be something about you that just pisses people off anyway so <laughs> not you personally but i'm just saying you as in general right. like everybody is in general like if you try to if you're trying to make it so that you're more palatable to other people, I think that's the wrong way of approaching it. Just oh, my I agree. Own opinion. I agree. I yeah. agree. I, I wasn't saying like I'm I'm trying to make myself more powerful. Well, listen, everybody wants to be appropriate in social settings, right? Everybody wants mm -hmm. to be able to fit in. Everybody wants to behave in a way that's not inappropriate. There's that, but then there's also you have to do that, but at the same time, you have to also be yourself. And sometimes that's a balance. What I'm saying is I think what I've experienced with ADHD is the balance is extreme in one direction where I'll say overly inappropriate things and interrupt people so impulsively where it's it becomes inappropriate. And I think that over time, I think with, I think, paying attention and being aware of what's going on and I think also diet too, like a high-fat diet has really helped me come closer to the center where yes i feel like i am much less impulsive when it comes to having conversations and talking with people and interrupting them and being annoying and i'm also more even keeled a lot of times but also i also feel like i've retained creativity and i feel like i've retained the good parts of the impulsiveness and spontaneity but what lingers is the bad part which is when i sit down and try to do something that doesn't have to do with fish keeping yeah. pens video games or ketogenic diet i'm just in i'm just not able to do it you know what You're i mean not able to submerse yourself like you would those other topics that's that's yeah that's exactly it i'm incapable of submersing myself that's a really good way of putting it into words so yeah I mean, the way I dealt with it last time was literally I would just write things over. And I, I said this earlier, I would pick a pen and I would enjoy the moment of writing things. But then I really find that I'm focusing on writing things out in nice handwriting, using my wonderful inks and wonderful pens that I'm not really paying attention to what it is I'm writing out. Well, you, know you think I mean? you might not be, but in some subconscious sort of way, all of a sudden you've internalized all these things that are written down on the paper. And you're like, oh, crap, I know this now. That's the problem. It's not it's not internalized it's not, it's not enough. sinking in it's not yeah oh, okay. it, it is but it it was it obviously did enough for me to pass but it's not as much as i need it to you know what mm -hmm. i mean like i need 
the information to be more readily available inside my stupid walnut-sized brain, but it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think I need to read it more. And that seems to be working. The problem is it's just such a struggle. So it is more, it's very effective for me to read the same material over and over. Like I've read this hundreds of pages in the past couple of weeks, three times, four times, and yes, I'm retaining it, but it's just a fight. It's a personal fight. And yeah, man, it it's sucks. just exhausting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And it really does suck. But anyway, yeah. if anybody I has gave any... up on a book uh, that I was reading, I was reading a, uh, a book that just and I was trying to pinpoint exactly why I lost interest in it and why I couldn't because I because, I, you know, I read a lot. So I read like on average 30 books a year and most of them I'll finish all the way to the end, even if it's kind of a meh, OK book. Yeah. But this this particular one, it was called uh, Servant Leadership. Yeah. I got about 100 pages in and I couldn't take it anymore. I was just why? like, you know what? Because I, there were several reasons. I actually wrote down these reasons. <laughs> so I, what I did was I actually did a word count of, of the, the number of words in each of the sentences. And on any given page, which I picked just a random page, Hold 83. On. Tom, can I just interrupt you really yeah. quick? I just Before you continue with this talk, I just want to tell you that I, I really love you a lot. But you are such a nerd. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is like my brain trying to like, because like, I, I'm, I'm just like, uh, normally I, I don't have a problem with reading. And I, even if the material is a little dry, I could handle it. But um, yeah, there was like an average of 31 words per sentence. And oh the goodness. number of words that had three syllables or more on the entire page was about 15% of the total number of words on the page. So, like, we're talking not only are these long, complex sentences, but they often have three-syllable or more words. So these are your top-shelf vocabulary variety type words. And then on top of that, the author was writing on a very abstractive sort of level, but failed to really give any sort of concrete facts, evidence, any sort of, like, even anecdotal type of evidence to kind of back up some of these assertions that were being made. And I just, I just really couldn't get into it. It just was too much, too much of talking about like the abstract and in, in terms of like leadership and thing. And and I was just really, I think it could have been like concisely just broken down to a very small set of like just like a almost like a manifesto if they could have done it. Just like just a very small because it just was, it just was a lot of fluff. And I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, you know what? I could just. I'm reading the reviews and it, I wasn't the only one that just decided to give up on it. I wanted to find, and that's, we were talking about this before. It's like, it's like, why do we go back in and, and read reviews or watch reviews of like, let's say pens that we already have. And this was the reason for me is that I didn't like it. I didn't like what I was reading and mm -hmm. I gave up on it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see if I was the only crazy person to be like, oh, this book that has like a 25th anniversary edition, everything, something that was so, you know, uh, like so kind of like renowned in its like in its particular i guess like niche of books and and yet i couldn't get into it and apparently i wasn't the only one so i didn't feel that bad after seeing that the, well the reviews in response to your review of this book this is an excellent demonstration on my part on what it means to not be able to pay attention <laughs> when something bores the shit out of you <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just kidding, man. If I had if I had a can of seltzer to open right now, I would have opened it. <laughs> oh, I do, but I didn't finish the first one. I always bring a couple with me because I don't want to have to get up and, uh, and walk to the refrigerator and see. And you have to. You just open can after can. Yeah. It's like I can't. No. Yeah, I'm probably never. I'm probably never gonna read that book that you just reviewed for us ever. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the review of it sounded. You convinced me. It just is yeah. such a it, the the three syllables per word, thirty one words per sentences. Oh my fucking goodness, man! Yeah, holy cow! I changed my mind. That reading that book might be my actual seventh circle <laughs> of hell. And this is in no way judging anybody out there who did read this book. That if you did read the book and you enjoyed it, I am not judging you. I am simply yeah. labeling labeling there you were, as there were a I'm significant just labeling you as a nerd. If you did read yeah, it, I'm there, just kidding. <laughs> there were a significant number of people that did this. Oh, this is a great book and had so many good lessons in it that you know could be applied today because this book originally came out in 1977. and it, or, or there were some essays in it that were written even before that, but it was published, I think, in 77. And uh, and it had so much in it that like we could learn from today. But but like the thing is, it, it wasn't most of the books I read about either like you know, in relation to like business or psychology and things like that, that they tend to focus on the individual, which is just the general, like, just catch all like type of person. It's not, but like this book was kind of more like tailored towards trustees and like C-suite type upper management level type of leadership. It wasn't about necessarily taking on personal, which I thought that was what it was going to be is like, well, how can you take on your own personal leadership, wherever you may stand at the moment, whether if you're at the low rungs or if you're at the high, at the all the way at the top. But really, that's not how I I saw it. I saw it as like that they were just talking about like trustees and boards of directors and chair people and things like that. And I was just like, this is not for me. I just I couldn't take it anymore. Right. It's certainly not for me. Yeah, and I can't take this sure. anymore. Actually, either <laughs> I can't take this discussion anymore. I, I really can't. My, I'm I'm losing my ability to focus on the podcast now. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, great. I'm glad I'm glad you stopped reading that book, and I'm glad we're done with this review of the book at this point in time. Yeah, and I'm and I'm sorry that you can't give up on your studies because I know how much you know. You would probably just be like, I would just love to not study anymore. Oh so, my but. god! I you know what the thing is though. I do have that kind of personality where I said to myself, I'm going to do this, so now I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I got to do it. I have to. Anyway, let's move on to talking about fountain pens. Okay? So I want to talk about – I do want to talk about two pieces that I have this week and some inks. There should be some sort of transition music between the banter talk and then, like, when we start actually talking about pens. The Halo (laughs) theme song. Anyway, okay, I'm going to go into my pens. I got I got the Homo sapien magma. 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 Why did you put yourself through this, by the way? Because I I had a feeling you knew that this was going to end up happening, your experience with the magma. Yes, yes, I know. Well, listen. I'm going to get into that. And also, on top of okay. the, the Homo sapien magma, I also have the Edison Newark. What did you call this one? Construction? It's the conductor. Conductor. Why did you call it the yes. conductor? Conductor because originally the McKenzie material name is called Copperline. Mm. So it's it's supposed to be like 
a tarnished copper where it's got tones of turquoise as well as brown and, and white and everything. And it's, but so instead of calling it copper line, called it the conductor because copper is an excellent conductor of electricity. And also one of the prime materials that Thomas Edison, the eponymous name for the Edison pen company made most of his electronic experiments with. Oh, that's copper. really cool. Well, can so. I just tell you what I think this looks like? This actually looks to me more like, because of the way the acrylics world, it looks more like a Carvel ice cream cake that melted. Ooh, not a bad comp. I, I like that though. Right, I but like that's that. what it looks like to yeah. me. So, so I just call it Fudgy the Whale instead. <laughs> <laughs> Carvel ice cream cake that melted. That I think conductor is a cake. far. Far the better. Edison Penco birthday cake. <laughs> so the Edison Penco, the new work. This is a limited edition. I have number forty-two of one hundred. Why one hundred, dude? Why? Why did I give you forty-two? No, I mean I don't know. Why did you give me forty? My age. Oh shit! I just put that together. You did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, I thought it was random. I didn't realize that until we said it out loud because I got it. I'm like forty-two. That seemed he must have just grabbed it and put it. That's crazy. Now, like it just yeah. came together right now. I couldn't. I couldn't pick sixty nine because the sixty nine would have been a different nib size. So you could have always just swapped it out. <laughs> I would have taken sixty nine. It'll be funny if every single time I get a limited edition from you, it's sixty nine. After a certain point in time, it's going to be like, dude, you got to stop. <laughs> I'm going to one day show this collection to like young children, my nieces. This is number 69. This is number 69. This is number six. This yeah. is what, Uncle what's going to end up happening Uncle is that Roy, you're, you're. Why are all your pens number 69? Well, my podcast your, co-host. Your just... pen collection is going to come up for auction at some point, And it's going to be like, <laughs> and now lot 69, we have. Penboy Roy's 69 numbered pens that are numbered 69. Does anybody want to start the bidding at $69? <laughs> For sure, somebody's going to be smirking in the background. But anyway, like I said, I have the Homo Sapien Magma, the Newark, the Edison Newark conductor. And I got some three inks here sent to me by our good friend Bryce over at Luxury Brands of America. So I didn't know okay. this, but my... My my good friends over at Colorverse, they're not my good friends. They don't even talk to me. They <laughs> they talk to me through luxury brands, and I didn't open this because I want to uh -huh. do a unboxing. They sent me Permanent Navy by Colorverse. Okay. They sent me Permanent Photo Black by Colorverse. And they sent me Permanent Black by Colorverse. So these are permanent mm -hmm. inks that are distributed by Luxury Brands of America that's not Noodler's Pens. So... Right. With these inks, the risk of it like melting your feed into a sludge is not there. <laughs> right? Well, also, uh, Luxury Brands also had Platinum Carbon Black, which is also one of the most popular waterproof blacks you could find on the market. So they really, Luxury Brands has the corner of like waterproof inks right now. Right. They got, wait, who else has waterproof inks besides, so now Colorverse, Noodlers, and Platinum Black. I don't have waterproof. What else? So I'm trying to think of the other ones that are waterproof. Does Dimeen have um, any? There's a, yeah, there's like the Registrar's Blue Black. Um, Some of them are water resistant, like Faber-Castell ha has a lot of water resistant inks, but like waterproof. Okay. Yeah, that's the, what is, what's the other ones I'm trying to think of? Yeah, I, I can't really think of anything else off the top of my head. Cause, but those are like the two main ones, like Noodler's mm. Bulletproof Black carbon black and now you have like those color verse they're called the office series the yeah. ones with the uh permanent navy and things like that 
So you haven't opened them yet. You haven't uh, inked any of the pens yet with them. No, not yet. Not yet. I actually inked up the Homo Sapien Magma and the Newark, the Edison Newark. With what did you put in the Homo Sapien? Visconti Green. What? Wait. It's a it's a pen with red trim. And black. why would you put green in it? Because I like green. Stop. No, you you are hurting me. You're yeah. hurting my feelings right now. And then the Edison Newark conductor, you know what I put in this one? Well, let me guess, like red or something? No, Visconti green. Oh, stop. <laughs> at least that feels a little bit better in the conductor. No. Because it's got at least some aqua tones in there. Yeah, so I'm going to actually empty out the Visconti Homo sapien magma. With the, and I'm going to empty out, clean it out, and I'm going to actually fill it with permanent navy. I want to try that. Okay. So I'll give that a shot. I mean, I think the permanent ink series, or maybe I'm going to do photo black. I don't know what the fuck that means. What does photo black mean? You know what I mean? Like, what does that I, even mean? I just think that's their version of saying that it's black ink. No, that's... but this one is permanent black. There's a separate one that's permanent black. Oh, so there's a permanent black and photo black. I have yeah. to see. I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, I mean, I think you should talk to Bryce, and we should do something with your ink flight box, which, by the way, speaking of which, I got the ink flight box this month. And I have to say, I love the ink. Totally by accident, by the way. I did not uh, did not mean to send that to you, actually. Mm. Sorry. Well, I'm glad I got it, though, <laughs> because I love this rickshaw inktopus single pen sleeve. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. I love the colors. So you got dark gray and gray with a yellow inktopus on it. Very cool. Extremely cool. This is This is one of my favorite pen sleeves at this time. I wonder, are they able to get this on your website at theinkjournal.com along with a Penboy Roy Fountain well, Review Channel t-shirt while they're getting this? Well, see, the thing, the <laughs> thing about that is that they're actually not supposed to know about it until like later in the month. It's like when we usually do our review, reveal for it. Oh. So it's like, can't, I can't necessarily have it available on the website until like everybody's got their boxes and everything. I can't promote it or anything like that. But, oh, okay. Um, but, but actually, um, we uh, like Ink Journal has all of the original Inktopus designs, like the the. But like these are some new ones, um, that that kind of like have the gray background, but with like the color splash. And there's a few other new color intonations in there. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't quite decided yet what to do with those, and whether or not they're going to replace the old ones or just adding on to the other styles that are currently available, or just phase out the ones that were. You know, not the best sellers out of the original set. You know what the Inktopus designs remind me of? It reminds me of like a more serious version of Nintendo's Splatoon. Okay. Do you think like you're a gonna... more artistic yeah, version of it? Definitely. By the way, I like your new logo on the the Ink Journal. Who did that for you? Did you do that? I did it. Oh, very yeah. cute. Very cute. I had I had sketched out. I think I have it in here. I have it in my notes. So one day. I was like, I wanted to redo the Inktopus logo and come up with something that's a little bit different. Oh, there you go. There's, the, there's that good old snap of the can. Uh-huh. Yeah, so where do I have the other ones here, though? I'm just looking for, like, if I have the sketch page that I could show you here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I just started drawing, like, these random, like, shapes. Yeah. Of, of like, the big head with the with the inktopus and like doing like the ooh they, i showed this to my daughter and and she was like oh it's the uwu face i'm like what the heck is that and it's like oh it's o-w-o it's like it's like a it's like it's actually something that 
you call it when you have like the it's this the big round eyes but then like the little w in the middle mm. so it's she calls it a uwu. i, I was didn't like, oh, i didn't know that yeah it's interesting. why don't you incorporate There's... a little bit of you into that design you know like put a little cute goatee on the octopus you know what well I mean? see that's what i was thinking was that start off plain right so start off the plain regular my part of my identity in that is that it's holding pretty i i tried to be pretty obvious with it it looks like it's holding a leonardo yeah i thought fountain so. pen right and so in the blue celluloid so like so that was my little thing and i'm like i'm like well i could do in future versions i could like kind of dress it up a little bit i could put like a hat i could like put a mustache i could like i could make little subtle almost as if it was a like one of those like pops or the or like right. the, the squish mallows where like you just make a little slight change and it looks different you know right. different enough right so it's come it's forthcoming hey listen future. i like it I, I like that you're constantly experimenting and trying different things so if you don't mind can i go back to talking about my visconti homo sapien magma yes you may go back to the magma the magma okay this pen what is it, it has an msrp of 775 dollars it has an 18 karat gold number six sized i think Bach nib. However, Visconti likes to call it an in-house nib. So here's what I think. I think I had a lot of problems with the nib right out of the box. So I got a fine. And I was I think I was texting you about it. When I was writing with it, when I was drawing a line to the right, it's smooth as an Apple pencil on an iPad. But when I draw a line to the left, it's like I took a fish hook to the paper and I'm dragging it across the paper. And I'm like, what in the actual fuck is happening? So I take a look at it with my loop, right? Mm -hmm. I look at it slightly misaligned. So I realigned it very carefully and gently using my brass shim technique. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, you can check it out on my Fountain Pen 101 playlist on the Penboy Roy Fountain Pen Review channel. And I realigned it until it was just perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So I did it. I started writing with it after I realigned it. And now it's still hooking the paper like a fucking fish hook. And it's driving me crazy. So mm. I texted you for some micro mesh, right? And yes, and this was Saturday, Saturday. Yes. And so you weren't at the office. I thought you would have some at your house. You could just throw in an envelope for me. And I just decided, you know what? I'll Amazon it. So I Amazoned, I Amazon sandpaper or polishing paper that went from 7,000 grit up to 15,000 grit in intervals. So what I did was I had to actually, so there's a method that I use when it comes to smoothing that I don't particularly like to make videos on because I'm not a nib tuner. I'm not Joshua Lax. I'm not Richard Binder. I'm not Linda Kennedy. And I don't want to tell somebody how I do things and then they fuck up their shit and blame me, right? Right. But I'll share it here with the forewarning that if you fuck up your shit, I don't want to hear that it's my fault, okay? I'm giving you a warning. I experimented, found out that this is how I do things. Please do this at your own risk if you decide to and especially don't follow my advice now. You're not looking at anything. You're just listening. So if you do decide to do what I do, then please don't blame me. So here's how I smooth out a nib when I okay. get, get it out of the box. What I do is I try writing with it, obviously. Scratchy. Okay, fine. 
instead of going, you know, straight to swirlies and stuff like that, I have to look at it and make sure under the under the loop, and I go 30 times, 30 magnification, to see if I can actually see in the center of the two tines which edge is sharp, right? right. So I know that there's this technique where somebody will take the nib, push one tine down, and then draw lines across with that tine more exposed to the micro mesh than the other. Hmm. Okay. So I've seen tutorials doing that. What I actually like to do is I like to take the nib out of the nib and feed unit. And then I like to take just the nib. And I'll, I'll take the sand, the rough side of the sandpaper, since it's as thin as a sheet of paper, and I'll put it in between the tines and then gently drag the nib straight down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Kind along of, the along the edge of the paper, right? So it's more with the, with the paper basically flossing the between the tines, basically, but like, but like more towards the nib, more towards the uh, the point. Yeah. So basically, I'm flossing the tine with the sandpaper, and it's a very thin sheet of sandpaper. You could also do this with mylar paper. This is probably better with mylar paper, right? So I do that to both sides, and then I'll do the figure eight circles and lines on the twelve thousand grit. So I did that, and I had to spend a lot of time doing that. And it's really annoying because I had to spend a lot of time doing that on a pen that's $775. Yeah. And it's shame on me because knowing that this is something chronic with Visconti, I turned around and said, hey, Tom, send me a Visconti, homo sapien, you know? And who am I to, you know, not give you that full experience of owning a Visconti and, right. and like, actually doing the tuning prior to sending it out to you. <laughs> right. Oh, so you didn't do anything to it before sending it out. No, to I just I just looked I looked at it just to make sure that it wasn't that everything was supposed to be what it was on there and I was like I was thinking to myself it's like should I go at this with cuz like I I do it for a lot of pens. I do it if somebody asks me to do it usually. And and I looked at it and I'm like I'm like you know what? I I want you to I want you uh, if for better or worse I want you to experience what it's like to open it at, at, for the first time. Right. Okay. So, so. I, I I do have a question though, with regard okay. to this. Whenever it comes to manufacturer warranties, if somebody tampers with the piston mechanism, the nib, or any parts of the pen, it voids the warranty. Correct. Well, tampering meaning you're going at it with the the intent to change something about it but then you screwed up but, okay you know so when would, it comes to like small little adjustments into like they're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to look at the nib and be like oh you tried you know using a little bit of like you know uh, the micro mesh paper unless you've micro meshed the entire tip off in some way or another if you completely went way too far the one way then yeah then it's going to be noticeable but if you did like a little bit to it just to get rid of that you know that that hard edge on it. There's there's no, you're saving them time because they're gonna have to take that pen back and then send it to Italy or whatever. And right, you know, you're saving them the time. Which which I mean, but at this point, it's like, dude, it's like they have to get this right at some point, right? Right. Oh my gosh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And and you know what the thing is though, I'm not saying this happens to all Visconti pens. This because there's several Visconti pens that I have that didn't put me through this, right? So. 
I'm not, I don't think it's fair to say it happens all the time, but it happens more times than it should when it comes to brands like Visconti. And I don't know why. It's just, I don't know why they can't just, I don't know. I thought they were sending these out to nib guys before it comes to the end user. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, that was my question. My question is if, if a user who buys this pen decides that they're going to try to smooth it out with MicroMesh, does that void their warranty? No, it, I, I don't believe it would. Okay. You know, because because of the fact that if you try just a little bit, mm -hmm. it's not, it's, there's no way of being able to tell that somebody took a little bit of micro mesh to it to try and smooth it out. Right. And, and, but unless you went so aggressive at it that it completely changed the look of the nib. Right. Because all it really does is that you're just polishing the very end of an iridium, which is a very, very hard metal. And unless you screwed up something else, like if you like bent it the wrong way and all of a sudden it's all kinked up and everything, like the gold like went and just decided to split off or whatever, you know, there's really not going to be any way to tell if you just did like a little tiny bit of like micro mesh and mylar paper just to, you know, smooth out the nib a little bit. Mm, I hear you. Okay, that's cool. And that's good for people to know because I'm pretty sure you get a lot of people who buy pens and they're like, oh, it's not misaligned but it's scratchy and they're not brave enough or they don't think they can use some micro mesh on it because they're concerned about the warranty situation, right? So they'll just send it back to you. Maybe they don't need to send it back. I don't know. Maybe they could just get themselves some Mylar paper and buff it out. So it's as smooth as they want it to. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are very comfortable with that. And they, because you start off small with that, right? You start off with a pen that, you know, is maybe like, 20 bucks or something like that you're not going to go straight into being like oh i bought a homo sapiens oh let me try and tune it up you know and 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 then like oh man then that could be very very costly mm -hmm. if that something goes wrong there so yeah yeah so when you tune your nibs to smooth them out do you use i mean do you think there's a difference between using a 12,000 grit emery board a 12,000 grit sheet of sandpaper or a 12,000 grit micro mesh I, I usually like using micro mesh because it is it's it's finer than any other sandpaper that I've used, um, and then I'll use also mylar. I'll use the mylar to give it that very like last bit, especially if you're looking for that buttery smoothness. Right. No. No. What I'm asking is mylar paper. I'm sorry. Micro mesh is twelve thousand grit. Sandpaper that's twelve thousand grit is also twelve thousand grit, and an emery board mm -hmm. that is twelve thousand grit is twelve thousand grit. So they're all the same fineness and grit. Do you think that there is a difference when it comes to smoothing out a nib between a sheet of paper, a clothy mylar, I'm sorry, clothy micro mesh, or a stiff emery board? If there would be a difference. Right? So, like, think about it. If it's the, the micro mesh being that it's almost like a cloth, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that the thickness of that clothiness makes a difference when you're smoothing out the nib versus a flat sheet of sandpaper that's the same grit or a hard emery board that's the same grit. Do you think that makes a difference? Oh, I see what you're saying. Like the, 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 the actual surface and not, the, not necessarily the grit itself. Right. Because think about it. Okay. If you're using yeah. my, micro mesh, I keep getting mylar paper and micro mm -hmm. mesh. If you're using micro mesh, it's almost a millimeter. It's like half a millimeter thick where there's some give where if you're drawing a figure eight – it's on a small level, maybe you can't even see it, since it's softer, like a cloth, it's wrapping the tip more so than a flat mm -hmm. emery board or a flat sheet of s okay. s sandpaper, even if it's the same grit. 
those are harder and flatter surfaces versus the micro mesh. Do you think that that difference is significant enough to make the smoothing experience different? I I don't have experience with either the emery board style or the flat sandpaper style. Mm. Like I've only used micro mesh before in the mylar paper. So, Mm. um, I, but I would imagine that they're, must be a little bit of a difference tactile and and the way that you use it could be a little bit different in, in uh being able to smooth out the nib but not 100 percent sure there so if somebody does have uh, a comparative experience uh you know feel free to write into the uh pentertainment podcast email yeah at pentertainment podcast gmail.com you know what that just gave me an idea we got to get jj lax on the show we okay, can cool. we can talk to him about that you know what i mean but Due to my schedule of studying and my inability to focus on things, if you set that up, that'd be great. Or right, you know what? I'll just text him. After oh, the show. yeah. I'll text you him. set that up. Yeah, sure. That'd yeah. be good. I'll, I'll just text him, ask him to come on because, yeah. So, I mean, I know he's busy, though. But that would be cool just to talk about nib tuning and all that stuff with him. Because I know that Brian Gray of Edison Pens, when he does nib tuning, he uses something that looks like a, a emery board. I know that Linda Kennedy, when she does nib tuning, she uses a flat emery board type with different mm-hmm. types of grit. And then I know that people who are not nib tuners like yourself and myself who don't do it as a profession, we use my, uh, mylar paper, Jesus, micro mesh. But micro mesh, mm-hmm. like I said, is almost like... It's almost like a handkerchief with one side that has the 12,000 grit. But I do, and I'm very curious to know if someone can give me a conclusive answer as to whether that handkerchief texture is different than using a hard surface. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. But anyway, going back to the Visconti Homo sapien, magma. I really just am annoyed with the whole experience of having to do that myself because there was a chance that I could have fucked it up. I have not had to tune a nib in a very long time. So I was going off of old experience. I think it was been about two years since I had to do that. And really? You have, you've gone two years without getting a nib that you had to tune? Right. I mean, I that's, that's pretty good. That's luck, but it's also credit on part of the retailers and distributors and manufacturers, including Visconti. And Paniter and brands we make fun of. But, you know, it is really annoying that I had to even do that. And it really puts me off. But I still like the pen. Now, one of the things that I was talking to my friend about when it came to the Visconti Homo Sapien, I was talking to my friend J-Man. And I was asking him, because he has a Homo Sapien. I was asking him. What is your favorite writer out of all your pens? And he has several pens. His favorite writer is his Esterbrook SD Oversized in Black. Okay? Okay. I'm like, but you have the Homo Sapien. How is that not your favorite pen? He's like, it's not my favorite writer for sure. And if it weren't made of the lava rock, it probably wouldn't be in contention as one of my favorite pens. So I think okay. for, for, for a lot of people, myself included and J-Man included, the Visconti Homo Sapien is certainly a grail pen that everybody should have, and that's what I think. Everybody should have a Homo Sapien. It's so unique in its material. It's everybody's grail pen, but it's never anybody's favorite writer by virtue of it writing really well, right? And that has a lot to say, and that says a lot when it comes to the quality control that Visconti has with its nibs, right? Or Mm -hmm. just even if there's no quality control issue with the Visconti nibs, I think it just says a lot about 
the nibs in general. They're just Bach nibs, right? And I honestly think when it comes to buying a Homo sapien, people will think the material is fantastic. It's very unique. It's got the hook lock safe system. If you're talking about the original models and not the colored ones, because those are magnetic caps, it's so unique right. in that they're very excited about getting the pen, but then when they get it and it doesn't write as how they perceive a $775 pen should write, or its writing experience is just as good as another pen that's 100 bucks or an Edison pen that's 200 bucks, I think people will feel disappointed more times than not, right? But there's also that For balance. Sure. There's like, they're, they're not entirely impressed by the standard writing experience, but they are impressed with the pen overall because of its design and its material. It kind of balances right. out. So it becomes a very unique pen in their collection that they really like, but it's not their favorite writer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I think a lot of times people find that they'll have a Homo sapien pen and it's just not the pen that they're using every day to write. Okay. What do you think? Uh, being that I don't have a Homo sapien in my top 10 pen rotation, I, I can't really speak to the ownership level of, uh, of mm. having a Homo sapien around in my, in my common rotation. I mean, I've handled the plenty of them before but yeah that, that that to me was is always been the deal breaker I've, I've owned i've owned and used a van gogh uh for for some years i had that van gogh uh it's a steel nib and it just to me after a while it was just like it was just like you know what this pen's not really gonna take me the distance like some other pens i have will i, I just felt like it wasn't it's not they're not even though they're a luxury brand and that they are very expensive i don't think that they are you know as valuable as they are priced i would say mm. and that may shock a lot of people i think but it's a uh, you know especially those who have plunked down a serious amount of coin on a homo sapiens but uh they are you know they're, they're just they just don't have the i just don't think that they have the longevity of like a brand that even though they, they have been around for a while mm. they've been around since what the 90s visconti 80s? yeah visconti late, yeah late 80s i think dante yeah. established it in 1989 or 1988 or something like that yeah so, but i i honestly i don't see it as like you buying a visconti now that it could still be a great writer like in 50 years or so not mm -hmm. like some of the other pens that are out there that i think could really go the distance i just i just see it i'm like i'm like this is not you know, it's it's not it's not the kind of caliber that you would expect to spend the money on. Just like you, how you said you felt when, you know, you had to do the nib tuning on it. You're like, you know, is this really what I should be doing for right. a seven hundred dollar pen? So let me ask you your opinion. If the Homo sapien, the Visconti Homo sapien, was not made of lava rock, would it be as appealing to you? Well, there are some that aren't, and right. they still are pretty appealing because they're made out of like swirly acrylic and mm. acroloid or whatever they call it. So. Right. Um, yeah, there there are some that are still appealing, even though they're not made of the lava rock. But I think that is a big draw. I think for so people. too. The hook lock mechanism, the the plunger filler, the the power the power filler that they have on there, uh, that that is a that is a big reason why people go to that. Speaking of that plunger filler, I see a lot of pen companies. I was Visconti the first one to use that plunger filler. Who came out with that plunger filler first? Was it Pilot with the 823? 
Well, eight twenty-three. That would be in what? The pilot's eighty-second year of business, which would then be like. I was just wanted to think. I'm just thinking like maybe like in the eighties or nineties. I, I don't know. Maybe all at the same time. Like maybe around all the same time. I don't mm. know. Because I I, know. I feel like either either Visconti copied pilot or pilot copied Visconti with the vacuum filler or the plunger filler. And then Twisby certainly copied them with the plunger filler. You know, I mean, obviously it's like, it's a mechanism filler. No one's petty enough to, I guess, take action against another company for copying a mechanism or a filling mechanism. That would just be pathetic but i'm sure that i i, I'm I feel sure. i feel the path i feel the path that you want to take on this uh -huh. and I, I i have to say though i i can't be i can't talk about it at this point it's i don't it's know like it's like that song in encanto <laughs> it's like we don't talk about we just don't talk about bruno that's no. that's you know so no but what i was bruno but what i was saying was you know i feel like though it's not the most efficient vacuum filling the vacuum filling because unless you can see the amount of ink in it Oh, that kills me. Yeah, yeah like I that's really, why they did like the skylight and stuff is that you can actually see inside. But the original version with just a solid barrel, yeah, so you can't see what you're doing. I know. I like that the solid barrel is a solid barrel better than I like the what's the one that had like the dash, the little window on it. That's the skylight. The skylight. So the material on the Homo sapien is so hard that I guess it's just really difficult to cut out a refined window ink window mm -hmm. unless what was the next one where a quarter of the barrel was clear oh the the shin breaking one yeah is that the the shin breaking one. Oh, is that called uh the crystal dream okay is it? Yeah, um, yeah but then that like i said that's just like a weakness between two very strong pieces and i'm just not comfortable with that either right so i like that i like the old school one with the no ink window, but it does really blow that I have no idea at any point in time how much ink is in it's it. It's just all of a sudden going to give out on you, and you're going to be like, oh, I guess I'm out of ink. Or mm -hmm. I might not be. You don't know. Maybe it just dried up in the nib. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go to, like, empty the pen out, and all this ink comes pouring <laughs> on out. Or you fill it thinking you filled it a lot, and then it turns out you missed, and you didn't actually get any ink in it. You know what I right. mean? Right. So. Yeah. I've been there before, yeah. Yeah. But anyway – you know, like I was saying, I like the Visconti Homo sapien. I definitely think it's a grail pen worth having. I just don't want to have to, I'd never want to have to tune a pen. I never, I don't think anyone should. That's, that's, that's the job of the manufacturer. Tune your pens and get it into the end user tuned. Don't make the end user tune it. Now, listen, it's different if, you know, you get like an Aurora or you get like a, I don't know, sailor or no 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 platinum because they're very toothy and you personally just don't want toothy but that's just how it is right it's not a, right. a fault it's it's cool you could smooth it out yourself that's different than what i'm talking about what i'm talking about was this was not a properly tuned nib out of the box it was inconsistent what well, wrote fine one way in one direction or right. terrible in the other right so if i'm drawing a letter y it's just hooking the paper and just dragging. And then you know what happens? As it's hooking the paper, it's pulling fibers off the paper and making it look like a felt tip marker is being written all over the thing. You know what I mean? So, but anyway. Oh, yeah, but anyway, 
anybody have any thoughts, questions, or comments, please reach out to us at pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com. Before we go, do we want to read some emails? Sure. Yeah, go for it, Tom. We can. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Philip's uh, f- dead fish idea. Okay, so what makes Philip's... Hand wrote. Yeah, that's what makes it very unique for me. I like that he yes. writes out all these handwritten emails and takes a picture of it. And it's really appreciated. It's not annoying. He actually said, if it's annoying, let me know. No, 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 it's certainly not annoying. I love your handwriting, Philip. It's really very Spencerian. I like it a lot. I wish I could write like it that. Is. It's done on like the French ruled paper. It's it's very nicely done. Mm-hmm. I would just ask that, you know, maybe go to a brighter room and take the picture. This picture deserves better lighting, my friend. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah. But let's, uh, I'll read it to you. Uh, what about having someone, this is in response to how, uh, how uh, Socrates would be buried or how we would conduct his funeral so what about having someone like jonathan brooks encase your fish in a block of his fountain pen resin like a fossil in a block of amber sort of like jurassic park right uh it might end up smelling like a noodler's pen (laughs) we cracked the code noodler's pens are made of dead fish it's all over the packaging Get it? Because it's on the box. Oh, very good. Very good. So there's multiple levels there. I love it. Yeah. So I like that he included a written, handwritten image of the email. That's kind of cool. He used for this, the handwriting is fantastic. Very Spencerian. I feel like I just time traveled to like fucking 1920 and some dude wrote this out for me. But he's Mm -hmm. using, hold on one second. What did he say he's using? Uh, Pilot Custom 912FA with Robert Oster Lake of Fire with a small bit of Noodler's Black mixed in by accident. Ooh, you might want to clean that pen out, man, before it turns into nuclear waste. Just (laughs) just saying, don't mix shit like that. Yeah. And what else? Anything else you want to read? Oh, there uh... there was an email that you flagged. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. And... It's like, uh, well, that was, I, I was it, uh, that was the one that I flagged because it was like the, it was the one right after our last episode. So I wanted to kind of delineate where the newer emails were from where we left off last time. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what though? I want to read some more emails, but I want to wait till next week just because I'm, I'm constricted on time as you know, cause I'm yeah, sure. studying for this test, but please don't not write in guys we're going to get to your emails if we didn't i apologize but please write in to pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com and also i keep saying this at the end but i should probably include this in the sponsorship i have an affiliate link now with gold spot pens i'm going to include in the description of the show notes i'm going to also he wants to retire soon he wants to retire young yeah and i'm going to include in the show notes, affiliate links to Gold Spot Pens as well as the products that we talk about. And if you buy it, it helps me out. It doesn't help Tom out at all, but we don't care about that, right? No. It actually gives me more more work, believe it or not. Yes. A little, I have if, to deal with all this. If that doesn't, I have to deal with Roy's big ego and sending him free pens. <laughs> if that doesn't feed your ego, I mean, if that doesn't feed your motivation by giving Tom more work, because <laughs> the more work he has, the less it means he's getting fired. So if you don't use my affiliate link, he's going to get fired. <laughs> so it depends on which camp are you for that one as well right so. fire tom or hire tom then you got to yeah, use the affiliate I don't know. 
Anyway, thanks again for listening, guys. Love you guys. Be well, be safe, stay engaged.